All right, everybody. Welcome to episode three of the My Students' Favorite Movie podcast. I'm on here with Rachel today, and we're going to talk about her favorite movie, to the best of my knowledge, which is a movie from my birth year, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'll let you figure out what year that is, uh, or you can just Google it, I guess. But uh, we'll we'll talk about the movie today, and uh, the first thing I want to do is get Rachel to talk about uh, why Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, is her favorite movie. So, how you doing, Rachel? Tell us about it. Um, so, there's, I guess the most simple reason to say why this is my favorite movie is because it's very nostalgic, I suppose. Uh I remember watching this a lot when I was younger. I haven't watched it as much recently. Well, if you count watching it like three times in the past couple months, not a lot recently. But it's probably my favorite movie because there's a lot of like, there's also a lot of inside jokes in it between me and people. Mm. Uh, I mean... There's nothing truly significant to make it my favorite. It's just something that I know I can always go to and watch, and it'll never bore me, which is very good, I suppose. That's a good that uh, that's a good indicator, I think. I got a few movies like that, and it's, maybe they're not your favorites, but they're always your go-to. Yeah, there's definitely definitely those movies are. Um, I kind of, I was kind of laughing when you were talking about that because I, when I was a kid in the nineties, probably watched this movie like three or four times a year. And I remember watching the second one. Oh my goodness. I, I couldn't even tell you. I, I was, for people who don't know, we're talking about the secret of the ooze, which is the sequel to this movie. That was probably my favorite movie as a kid. I was just, I was obsessed with it. Um, and I don't, I mean, I don't want to get too much into my history with the, the Ninja Turtles, but I was, I got to tell you, Rachel, I was a, I was a turtle maniac. <laughs> I had the toys. Um, my favorite video game was on the Super Nintendo. It was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, uh, which is an amazing game. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'll, I I get it. We're on the same page here. Yeah. The second one is really um, good. It's the third one that's questionable. Yeah, yeah. Well, we don't. We're not going to talk about the third one today. We just <laughs> we we don't have to go there. Um. So I'm I'm looking at the uh, Rotten Tomatoes page for the movie right now. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I'm looking at the. The critics review average out of a hundred, and the audience uh, review out of a hundred. So, what do you think the critic reviews were out of a hundred when this movie came out? Uh, when it came out, or what the views are like? Are they still taking reviews on this movie, or not anymore? I doubt. I doubt it. I, I think the critic score is from the original. I I don't know. I I really. I couldn't tell you. I will tell you this. The 
um, audience reviews are more recent and the critics reviews generally are old and also the critic scores is lower. So that those, those are the hints that I'll give you. Okay. Well, the critic score, I also have to remember this is the nineties and 1990. Yeah. Yeah. I guess movies like this, obviously we have better stuff now, but back then this was decently good. Right. So are we going off Rotten Tomatoes, right? So higher sure, tomatoes, sure. whatever. It's out of 100. Maybe 68. I think I've looked at something like this before. Not sure. Yeah. So the critics, you're kind of in the middle because the critics rating is a 40. Really? Uh, which is pretty bad. Yeah. But the audience score is an 81. So little disagreement there. <laughs> Maybe just a little. Um, the crazy thing to me about this movie is that the budget for it was $13 million, which was not, even back then, was not a crazy amount of money for a movie. It was a lot, but it wasn't crazy. And it made $200 million at the box office. Oh, that's not which is good. Just well, think of it. No, but think 200, 200 million. Oh, okay. It I know you wrong. It cost 13 and it, yeah, it cost 13 and it made 200. It was kind of embarrassing because they could not get anybody to uh, publish it. Disney turned it down. Warner Brothers turned it down. MGM, Paramount, Columbia all turned it down. And it actually got picked up by the independent publishing studio that did the Muppets. And uh, it's actually the second, I think, don't quote me on this, but it's the second highest grossing, at the time it was the highest grossing independent film. I mean, I see that. So, I guess. But then again, I wasn't born in the 90s, so... Sure. But uh, yeah, made a lot of money. Let's just put it that way. Um, all right. So I, I don't really have a lot of fun facts about the movie. Um, I figure we could just get into the awards and maybe talk about some stuff as we go. Yeah. But uh, yeah. All right. So that number first award, the Hannah Montana, the climb award. This is for. Uh, whatever whatever actor in the movie or maybe the director, I don't know, uh, had the biggest career after this movie. For me, this is obvious and kind of funny, but I'll let you go first. See, for this one, I was actually looking for a while. Like, I was looking through all the actors' um, movies that they've, been, that they've been in. And the person whose jobs that I've recognized the most was the guy that played Casey Jones, Elias mm. Cotes. Cotillas, Elias Cotillas. Yes. Yeah, I don't know how to say his last name. Yeah, but he was in a lot more that I recognized than anyone else, I think. Interesting. Yeah, he has been in a lot of movies uh, as like smaller roles for sure. Um, 
I thought it was funny because um, me and me and Alec did the Green Mile the last episode, and our nomination for this award was uh, Sam Rockwell because that movie was kind of his first big role. And uh, this movie was his first role, period, I think. He was one of the thugs in the, in the, in the uh, club. Yeah, I heard, saw you and Alec talking about it uh, the other day. I just thought that was so funny. Like, back to back, he's in both of these movies um, on both episodes. And uh, are you familiar with Corey Feldman, who he is? Um, not really. It's, it's really hard for me to explain this now. Um, so Corey Feldman was like this child actor uh, type that was really big in the 80s and early 90s, but he had a big run-in with drugs and stuff and kind of went insane. But uh, he played Donatello in this. Oh, okay. I thought it sounded familiar, and I was like, why don't I have it written down? Yeah. Yeah. When people talk about child actors gone wrong, he's kind of the... He's the poster for that, basically. I feel like a lot of kids, when they were child actors, just grow up wrong. Sure. Yeah, his, his case was probably one of the worst. If you, I mean, I don't want to go into it, but if you, you know, anybody can go online and read about it. It was anything that happened with Macaulay Culkin. This was three times worse. Uh, so yeah, I just thought that was interesting that maybe this was one of his earlier hits. Uh, okay. So yeah, a lot of nominations for the climb award. Um, I don't know. We don't have to narrow it down, but, uh, yeah, let's move on. The, my team is dead overacting award. So this is for the, the actor that just goes a little too crazy. Um, what do you got, Rachel? Um, there were two, I put one down for definite, but the one I put down for definite was, uh, the main dude that played Raphael, Josh Pays. Yeah. Because I feel like Raph- Raphael was very much a drama queen in the first one, for sure. There's some crazy, there's some scenes where he's just losing his biscuits. Yeah. I also had Judith Hogue, who plays April. But I think Raphael just takes the cake for that one. Yeah, the the whole character of Raphael in this movie is just over-the-top outrageous. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, well, you know, kids' movie, I guess. Um, the Crocodile Tears Award for the most unrealistic emotion uh, by an actor in the movie. Well, again, I you could have gone with both Raphael and April in this situation. But I put April because of the scene where she meets the turtles, I suppose. Which, I guess, thinking back on it. Yeah. Well, you gotta think about the fact that she's uh, meeting talking turtles. 
Yeah. You know, how, how would you react? <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of science stuff going on nowadays. I wouldn't be surprised what happens. But I guess yeah, I'm being, the way they you know. explain it. Can you, in your own words, Rachel, can you explain to us how this movie tries to rationalize the existence of the Ninja Turtles? Uh, tries to rationalize them. Because, you know, it's an origin. This is one of those origin movies like uh, if Marvel was, was doing a, a Ninja Turtles series now... Uh, the you know this would this one would be their uh, Captain America the First Avenger movie where they explain how the turtles came to be. Oh well, they were just four turtles sitting in a sewer, and then a jar of ooze was was it dropped into the sewer? I never, I don't think I paid attention. To Let's that. go with that. Yeah, yeah, never paid attention to how it got there. Sure. But radioactive ooze was dropped into the sewer, and then the turtles decided to bathe in it because it looks pretty. <laughs> and then mm. Splinter, who was the pet of a... I'm blanking at the word. Martial but, arts master. Yeah, who was the pet of a martial arts master. He somehow finds the turtles and decides to raise them on their own. Because somehow, rats, Splinter, before the ooze, was able to think clearly and have rational English thoughts. Right. So your your summary of that made more sense to me than the movie itself, which I think says a lot about the logic of the movie. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's Ninja Turtles, man. Don't, don't question it. Next award, the What Could Have Been Award. So we we talked about this, and I, I want to say we had the same thought, but was there a, a role in this movie that you would have been interested to see someone else play? Um, I kind of just skimmed over actresses for this, but I thought Julia Roberts would make a pretty nice April O'Neil. No thought behind that. Just an in-the-moment Oh, I love it. I think one of two things happens. It, her being in this movie could potentially turn it into a very credible, not just for nostalgia, kids movie. Oh, yeah, of course. Or it derails. I mean, so, so Pretty Woman, which is probably the movie she's most known for. Uh, Pretty Woman came out this same year as this. So I guess it, it's either maybe it changes the course of her entire career. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's she's it would have been amazing. Let's just put it out there. Who was uh, do you remember who was uh April in the new Ninja Turtles movie? Megan Fox. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah Actually, was... she's, she's kind of the reason I got into the 
like bigger into Tangerine Ninja Turtles because of Transformers, but that's a whole different story. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she you know, she gets she gets uh a lot of hate for that movie series for being like the pretty brainless girl in uh Transformers, but I, I actually I thought she was fine. She did good. She's a good actress. She really is. Yeah, Julia Roberts, and I don't, you know, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of uh, human roles in this movie, are there? Yeah, that's what I was thinking the whole time going through who could, like, change actors and actresses. I was just like, really, it's only voice actors for the main parts. One of the weirdest things about this movie is that the guy who plays... Um, Shredder is not very famous, but he he has a voice actor. the The voice and the physical Shredder are two different people. I think I saw that looking into the cast, and I was very confused. Well, there's your explanation. So <laughs> that's just very strange. <laughs> um, next uh, award is most quotable line. What do you think? Well, obviously there's Cowabunga, because I think whenever someone hears that, they're like, oh, Michelangelo, cool. And then I, and then there's another right. quote from Michelangelo that says, God, I love being a turtle. And I mean, unless you watch the movie, that I don't is think a good one. Gonna, unless you watch it, or you have watched it, or you just generally know this movie, I don't think you're really going to understand the God, I love being a turtle, but. I I don't think anybody could really understand Ninja Turtles fully unless they kind of lived through the early 90s when it was just. I, re- I It's hard to explain, Rachel. It, people were obsessed. Have you seen that? There were. Um. There's an episode of um, My Weird Obsessions or something, and this girl has lived her life as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. She has all the costumes and the head. Right, and stuff. right. Oh, I believe it. I mean, do you do you remember how big Harry Potter was like 10 years ago? Yeah, yeah. That's That's how big Ninja Turtles was in 1990. It was... Out of control. I believe it. I mean. Um, but with that said, it is an old movie now. So what has aged the worst? Uh, well. I would. S- okay. It's kind of hard to pick something that has aged poorly with this movie but i guess the biggest one would be the so i guess that kind of ties into what has aged the best for you um what's aged the best probably the very the different personalities i think like the very very different does that make sense like at all you mean the Ninja Turtles themselves? Yeah. 
That's true. They do they do have very distinct personalities and I think if if they don't then this movie comes off as really stale, but it doesn't because they're very unique. And I think that's also just something that has always stuck with it. They've always had the same like they've always stuck with that no matter what they're usually really different, I think. Yeah. For me, I I think it's what aged the best is probably what's aged the worst as well, which is that this is this movie is everything about kids' culture in the early 90s, and I think everything that's aged well about that is awesome in this movie, and everything that's now kind of weird maybe hasn't so much, but it seems like 90s culture in general right now is really popular, so I think it, the movie benefits as a result of that. I would have probably chosen that too, but uh, this movie is set in New York, and I'm not really familiar with the 90s or New York, so I can't really have an input on <laughs> any of them. Yeah, and the weird thing is that uh, apparently most of it was filmed in North Carolina. I don't know how they managed to figure that out. They filmed a few scenes in New York, but most of it was in North Carolina. I would imagine the scenes with like the like the big apartment buildings, like you know, the first scene where the woman gets her TV stolen and stuff. I would assume that part was filmed in New York. Right. Yeah, I'm always surprised when I uh when I look up where movies were actually filmed and it's it's not even close to what I thought they would have done. It's easier now because you know, in, in 2020 you can just CGI the skyline of whatever city you need it to be set in. Well, I mean, you kind of have to in 2020. You can't really go anywhere. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a lot of, apparently a lot of movies that are filmed in Atlanta, if they need to have it be set somewhere else, they'll just change the skyline from uh, Atlanta to a different city they needed to be in. Yeah, I know a lot of my favorite shows and um, movies, some scenes are shot in. Atlanta, and sometimes like just outside the city too, if they need certain mm-hmm. things. It's that low, it's that low income tax we got going for us. Um. All right, Rachel. The last, uh, the last category here is you have to pitch the movie in five words. Convince us. Give us something in five words to convince us to watch. Well, you see, this one was the hardest to figure out. All I could think of was like, hey, reptile vigilantes save New York. Because that's pretty pretty eye-catching if someone just mm. showed you a movie, like the title or the front of a movie case. That is that very like, interesting. Yeah, I think if anyone told me this about a movie, I would be like, wow, really? Okay, cool. Right. Yeah, that is a good, quick way to kind of hook somebody in. 
I've got a good one for you. The 90s, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Sums it all up. I, I got to say, uh, are you a video game person? Uh, dependent on the video game. So I'm almost positive that you can play this game like on the internet now. But uh, from what I can see, it's also apparently you can download it uh, for PlayStation 3 uh, and Xbox 360. Any, anyway, um, if you don't have one of those, you can, you can, anybody listening to this, if you have a PS3 or an Xbox 360, uh, or I'm almost positive you can just like play this for free on the internet because it's a Super Nintendo game. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Turtles in Time is one of the best video games I've ever played in my life. I just, I just have to throw that out there. It's kind of it, it came out just uh, two years after this movie, and uh, it's my favorite Super Nintendo game. Rachel, do yourself a favor. It's so good. I'll put it in my notes. And you can play it with a friend. It's got co-op mode. It was one of the first games to have a co-op mode. So, oh, it's great. Totally off track here, but i got to put a plug in for it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that'll be thanked later somebody somebody is going to listen to this and say you know what i'm going to go do it it has it it's it's awesome it's a it's like a side scroller uh and you have to go through every level and every level have has a boss and it's it's awesome the final boss is uh I, well i won't spoil it but you can probably guess uh, I'll give you a hint. Secret of the Ooze came out um, right when this came out. So, oh goody! You can you can figure out who the big bad boss is at the end. Well, I put it in my notes. Uh, yeah. in the documents. I'm gonna let me check real quick and see if you can just. Play this on the internet. Oh yeah, you definitely can. Yeah, all those all those Super Nintendo games are for free on the internet now in the browser. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, PS3 and whatever you can play it. For all those people out there that still have right. PS3s. <laughs> yeah, I. Well, I'm a. I'm a computer guy, so I don't have any consoles, unfortunately. Well, uh, this was really fun. Anything else you want to say about this movie, Rachel? Um, if you have Netflix, definitely check it out. Because if you haven't watched it, definitely. So it is on Netflix? It is on Netflix, and so is Secret of Views. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Um, we have to go watch Secret of the Use. It's definitely worth watching both of them. Right, right. 
they're they're yeah they're very, they're both awesome. Um. So just just so I have it in my mind, is there another movie that you may want to do in the future? Um, I was thinking if it's not too mature for this, I would want to do maybe Fury because it would give me a reason to watch it again, and I really enjoy watching it. So. I really love that movie, and I know I know it is rated R, but it's not. Um, the themes are not inappropriate, if that if that makes sense. It's not like uh, it's you know it's not sexual content or anything like that. It's just more war stuff. Yeah, it's a bit of gore, I guess you would say. Right. I I'm so on board with that. Um, I love that movie. And I want an I want an excuse to watch it again. So let's do this again sometime. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, for those of you who listen to this, uh, join me next time. I think uh, a movie with moving dinosaur puppets is in our future. So if you're into that, the uh, next episode or two may be entertaining to you so thank you very much Rachel for joining us today telling us about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the movie and we'll see you guys soon on my students favorite movie